Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to the WealthStream Podcast with Tim Scannell. Today, Tim is going to be going over part four of a series that we've been doing looking downstream, uh, and it's very, very interesting, and, and he's got a lot of great information. Uh, Tim, how are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you. Great. I know that you said you wanted to give us kind of a recap of the other podcasts that we've done, uh, and that would be great for our audience. So where are we starting today? Uh, you know, I like to help entrepreneurs, business owners prepare for eventually exiting the business and transitioning that business to wealth that mm-hmm. hopefully can protect them for the remainder of their lives, but also helping them make sure that they maximize uh, the return on life that that money gives them, their family and their favorite charities. And then where I really think we're unique is uh, we also like to focus on preparing the heirs or the next generation, the beneficiaries, Mm -hmm. the favorite charities to receive that wealth. And so I I talked a little bit in the first podcast about, you know, the, the, first priority of creating a, a qualified team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got into once, you know, putting together your plan and then as you're approaching the marketplace, uh, being able to tweak it, adjust it on the fly. And then I think in the last podcast, we talked a little bit about, uh, really once you get to that marketplace and you're talking to, uh, buyers and, you know, potential buyers and, uh, investment bankers, bankers, et cetera, that, uh, you really, uh, some of the strategies that you you need to implement in order to finally catch that fish or or make that sale, you know, secure the the, the buyer. Yeah, and I, I love the analogy because every fisherman's goal is to get a, a trophy fish, right? I mean, it's it's we we want the the great fish, not the smelly, crazy small fish. Um, we want the perfect fish for us, and so uh, I think that analogy is great in, in how it ties to the sale of a business. Yeah. And so what I'd like to talk about today really is, okay, now you've sold the business. So mm-hmm. the, the, the proceeds are coming in and, you know, and just as in, uh, when I go fishing on, you know, fly fishing on a river, I want to make sure that, the the money, the fish that I'm catching, the river that I'm in is protected for the next generation. You know, when I, when clients receive the proceeds from the business sale, we want to make sure that, uh, not only are we minimizing taxes and making sure everything's efficient and going to the right legal entities. But we want to help them make sure that they're protecting uh, those dollars for them, for their family, and for future generations. Um, you know, to use examples of fishing, you know, when we're in the rivers, uh, they've got rules about catch and release. You know, when you catch the fish, you release them. Um, things like using barbless hooks. Bar- and the only reason why you do that is that it's it's not you don't damage the fish when you're catching them because mm-hmm. and they're easier to release. And then the same thing you want to do with the money, you know, so you receive the proceeds, you minimize taxes, and you want to use those dollars for yourselves and your family, but you also want to protect them so that they're going to be passed uh, down to the next generation uh, in a way that helps them. Okay. Yeah. So a barbless hook is less risk to the fish, correct? Yeah. So if uh, when I catch the fish, uh, when you go by 
hooks at Cabela's or wherever you buy them, oftentimes there's two or three hooks on them and they have little barbs. Mm. But then the problem is when you catch those fish, it can really do damage. So uh, we try to make sure we're just using tools that create the least amount of damage and protect those fish in the streams for the next generation. Yeah, I love I love the analogy that you're using as far as preserving because you see signs all over, you know, depending on where you're going, like Colorado, um, wildlife preserve. Well, you're preserving this wealth, and that's that's a major uh, major piece in any any plan for the future as far as heirs or what you want to fund. If you're like you said, charities, uh, so that's that's fantastic. How do we preserve that wealth? Um, we like to do it by as we're going through the process, uh, you know, as you're creating your team, you're creating your approach, you're adjusting to the marketplace, you have this parallel path. And the parallel path is coming up with a process and using tools to prepare your heirs, prepare your family, prepare your favorite charities to ultimately receive that wealth. And Mm -hmm. one of the things I think that we do is that's a little unique is we, we have a wider definition, for example, of wealth so wealth is not just your assets, your your liabilities, your income. Uh, we treat wealth, and when we think about protecting wealth for future generations, we also consider, you know, the family name, uh, the family oh, okay. brand, uh, you know, knowledge. So obviously, these these business owners have learned so much and have gone through so many struggles to create this business and transition this business. You know, I want to make sure that we can connect the legacy and the lessons and the, the learning and the education and preserve that for the next generation. And that, to me, that's part of the definition of wealth. That's fantastic. I've never heard that before. And I really, really like that idea. And then the other thing is, you know, our definition of successful wealth transfer is really that ultimately those dollars that the beneficiaries will receive or your charities that you, your favorite charities will receive will really foster their develop the beneficiaries development foster their goals and really uh help them rather than hurt them um you know when they when they when i read about surveys or when clients when i talk to clients about their biggest fears about money it's typically that the the proceeds the money that that eventually they'll pass on to their kids and grandchildren um, or other beneficiaries will somehow hurt them um, and the, you know, the negative impact that money can have. Mm-hmm. And so we really focus a lot on that, uh, for, you know, we have a, a wealth protection process that we follow where we walk the clients through a list of, uh, risks that are, you know, are, are associated with receiving wealth, uh, risks that they're going to face risks, their children, grandchildren will face. And then we have this assessment, a, t- a 10 point checklist where we really assess their goals, but also assess how prepared they are, uh, not just them, but their family. For example, you know, does the family have a mission statement that spells out their purpose of the wealth? Mm-hmm. Uh, and is everybody aware of it? Um, do they have family meetings? You know, and h- how active or how aware are the children and grandchildren um, of where the money came from and and how much is there? So, it, it really helps them assess. Uh, after identifying the risks, it helps them assess, you know, what what specific risks that the family might face. And then also from there, we come up with an action plan that lists out the prioritized steps that we need to take to mitigate the risk that uh, we've assessed for them. All right. Sounds great. Um, you know, an example of some of the, 
the tools or action plan items might be, do we have meetings or, or no meetings? Um, uh, when I say that, sometimes clients are nervous about disclosing too much information mm-hmm. and they're never sure whether they should tell the family about the amount of wealth or, you know, where it came from, all that's, you know, all the details. And like one thing we point out is that in the world of the internet and the world of Google, it's oftentimes very easy for kids, grandkids, anybody to really find out, especially with the sale of business, what's there. Mm-hmm. And typically, uh, beneficiaries will overestimate what's there. Uh, sometimes they will underestimate, but the reality is that it's, I think better information is typically uh, good. And I, I, I'm not a big fan of disclosing everything, but I do think that family meetings are a really good idea to get a, to start getting people prepared because you're not just trying to prepare somebody to respect a dollar. You're trying to prepare somebody to respect a hundred thousand or a million dollars. And that's a whole different equation. Oh, absolutely. And, and just because if it's, if it's public knowledge for any reason that a business is sold and it's sold for $5 million, great. You just found that out through Google, but it has you have no idea what tax implications there are. You have no idea what other, what other pieces are part of that sale. And so, like you said, the beneficiaries may be, oh my gosh, you know, grandma and grandpa got $5 million for this <laughs> business. But in reality, it's, it's not that. And that $5 million or now $3 million, depending on how it's all set up or $4 million, has to last grandma and grandpa, you know, for whatever their plans are. And so it's not all just, hey, this is what we're going to hand down. Grandma and grandpa have plans for that cash. <laughs> you yeah, yes, right. you're a part a lot, of it. <laughs> and a lot of times they don't get it all up front. They get it exactly. over time. Yeah. And like you said, there's tax impact. So it's typically not, it's never what the people think about when they yeah. are looking up in Google. It's always something much more complicated. So that's why we think that more information should be shared with the people who eventually Directly, um, yeah. inherit it. Yeah. Um, another thing is, I, I think in a lot of clients express this to us and we read read a lot of articles to confirm it, but there's just a lot of cultural pressure out there now. Uh, maybe it was there before, but there's just a lot of pressure on beneficiaries or people with wealth. And there's also, you know, responsibilities that you have when you do inherit the wealth, responsibilities maybe to give back, responsibilities to respect the money, respect the legacy. And they're not going to understand that unless they've spent time or have gone through meetings or have had communication from the the parents, the sellers of the business mm-hmm. about what the what those are. Okay, so Tim, do you do you have a process for your multi generational family meetings? We do. We have a we have a process. It's it's different for every client because um, every client has a different you know need for like some some want to be more involved some want to be less involved oftentimes which is you know completely understandable there's some children and grandchildren who are more active mm-hmm. and others who are not uh, there's also estranged you know uh, family members there's divorces there's there's complications course, yeah. so we have a very detailed uh, family office and a family meeting checklist that we follow and then typically we come up with a custom plan for the, the each client. So here's what I want to do. I want to do a podcast only on that, on what you guys do for your multi-generational family meeting, how it's kind of uh, composed, comprised, what goes on, um, and how the communication is uh, 
handled uh, because I mean it, it's not an easy subject. I mean it, we're we're talking about end of life issues. We're talking about uh, wants and desires from from the grandparents or the parents to the children or the grandchildren. There's a lot of components there, and I would love to dive into to it with you on a podcast. Can we do that? Yeah, definitely. Okay, fantastic. So that's going to be one of our future podcasts very very soon because I really want to know what you guys do. All okay. right, not to derail this. Where, where are we no. going now? Even if you don't want to implement a full family meeting, one of the uh, smaller, simpler tools is to use philanthropy as a way to mm. transfer some of your legacy, education, and history. Uh, there's tools like setting up donor advised funds or uh, charitable events where you can really get children and grandchildren involved, teach them about money, teach them to respect money, but at the same time, transfer some of your history, legacy, and uh, education about the family and your opinions about money uh, to them. So that, that's just a, a simpler tool um, if the family office or the family meeting process is not what you want to do. And the, a great question for kids or grandkids to the grandparents or parents is, why are you passionate about this specific charity? Why, are you, why do you feel so connected to this charity? Uh, because I know personally, my parents support different ones, and I know very well why they support like the Salvation Army. We were flooded out of our home when I was, I think, three years old. Um, and Salvation Army was the first ones there giving us food and blankets and, and all sorts of things. We had nothing. Um, so they're very passionate about giving back to that organization because they personally obviously impacted us. So that's a great question to be able to ask your, your uh, family members. Yeah. And oftentimes, as you would expect, kids, especially grandkids in this techno technological world, they think of donating, they think of money, they think of it all differently. Mm -hmm. And your, my favorite charity is not going to be the same charity as Absolutely. any of the five kids I have. Yep. That makes sense. One of the points I mentioned earlier as it relates to the wealth protection process is uh, really determining who is ultimately going to navigate the process. And I mention that because all my clients are different. I have clients that want to be involved in everything. They want to you know, once the business has been sold and now the money's coming across, coming into, uh, they're receiving the money, mm -hmm. they want to navigate every detail of the process. I also have people who say, well, I'd like to, you know, hire professionals and maybe follow an established process, but I, I don't necessarily want to do it all myself, but I still want to control it. And then other clients I have, they're really very comfortable just saying, you know, either we will act as the driver and the navigator of the whole process um, and keep them totally in the loop, but we, we do it all. So it really just depends on the preference of the client itself. Gotcha. What are some of the pitfalls that, that a family might face that you guys help navigate? One of the biggest pitfalls we find that people face is really not thinking in advance about how the money they're receiving uh, should be used to really improve or maximize their return on life. And I say that because a lot of time and effort is spent, especially with the advisors, by making sure it's tax efficient, it's legally protected, mm -hmm. there's asset protection. But then the money arrives and uh, there hasn't been a lot of thought put into, you know, what do we do next? In addition to just uh, maintaining our lifestyle, how do we use that money in a way that really makes sure it improves our well-being? You know, so do we have the ability to... Um, fund our hobbies, you know, or do we have our ability to spend time with our friends? Um, do we have our ability, you know, are we going to use that money to enhance relationships with our mm. family and friends with, with our favorite charities? 
Um, you know, in addition to well-being, we focus on, you know, will that money be used for life progress? And what I mean by that is for the, the owners who are selling, for their children, for their grandchildren, you know, are there plans in place to help make sure that um, the money will enhance their lifestyle? For example, I have a client who set up what he calls an investment or a um, education bank. Mm-hmm. So he has set aside a certain amount of money and those funds will be used for education for his children and grandchildren. He's established parameters that, you know, he feels comfortable with as far as, you know, uh, what it, what it, what's eligible or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but in his mind, he's, he's a lifelong learner and he wants to pass that legacy on to the next generation. So he's using money to establish a fund to make sure that his children and grandchildren are progressing, uh, via learning. So, you know, I'm excited about that. I think that was a, a really cool thing to work with on. Yeah. I, I, I think that's great. You know, having some of those guidelines in there, like, you know, making sure it's an accredited college and it's not Billy Bob's fire eating school that they're going to be using, you know, $20,000 to go to and things like that. You just want to avoid the, uh, some of the scams that are out there. And I think that grandpa or grandma being able to say, Hey, this is what we want for you, uh, is so important because that's their legacy. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we also talk a lot about making sure you know in advance how you're going to structure your your wealth mm. to give you the maximum amount of what we call freedom and freedom really is just you know financial security you know we want to make sure that you're not stressed yeah uh that you have a plan in place uh that it's protected uh, that you're not taking unnecessarily risks um autonomy this is a real big thing uh i have found in working with clients uh, a big fear is that they they don't want to be a burden on their children and grandchildren. They mm-hmm. want to remain independent. And so we need to think well in advance, years in advance, to make sure that we're using the money to set up a plan that makes sure they're autonomous, makes sure they're independent um, as much as possible based on health. Yeah, wow, that's great. And one of the key words you said there was stress, right? If we can get rid of financial stress, uh, for not only the grandparents, but the, the children and maybe the grandchildren that are concerned about grandma and grandpa. And it goes back to that family meeting thing. But wow, what a what an impact on a family that could be just to have that security and, and eliminate that stress. Yeah, and so one of the tools we use is we have a, a series of surveys. We call it the Return on Life Index Survey. Okay. And what it does is it, first of all, measures uh, people's perspective on money. So my wife, for example, she will often say she's a product of depression era parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's and So she has certain, she learned about debt. She learned about, you know, savings. She learned about being efficient. And those are all things that are important for me to know as the advisor because it helps me identify uh, how she's going to want to treat, you know, her, the money, how she's going to want to transfer money, give money, et cetera. Whereas, you know, this generation, which is maybe not seen more, uh, they are going to approach it a little differently. So we use a survey, a series of surveys to get perspectives on money. And Eric, as you can imagine, um, husband and wives have different perspectives mm. on money too, right? Really? So <laughs> <laughs> I know in my family we do. Yeah, yeah, mine too. <laughs> uh, and uh, my kids, and I mean, we're all different. So it's nice to be able to identify uh, 
where people learned about money, who taught them, was it a grandparent, was it a teacher, was it, or maybe they didn't get those lessons and, you know, we identify they need them. So Mm -hmm. the first step is really trying to help identify or understand people's perspectives on money. Yeah. Getting everybody on the same page. That sounds pretty important to me. And then finally, I guess the, the other big piece that we, uh, pitfalls that we try to address or risks associated with receiving the wealth and that planning is really focusing on what we call transition points. So a transition point could be your daughter's getting married, your son, your granddaughter is mm-hmm. getting married. They're, they're looking to buy a house. Uh, somebody's looking to start a business. Uh, you personally, this is a major transition point, right? I mean, your identity has been wrapped up in this business. Yeah. You may be sticking around, you may not be, but in, in essence, you're transitioning out. You've been accumulating your whole life. You're saving, 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 and now you're being asked to start withdrawing. Uh, I have found that, that that psychology, that change of approach takes one to two years for people to just get used to. I mean, it, it's a very psychological traumatic event. Yeah, and, I mean, you've been... And so you really want to know that in advance and be prepared for it and have tools that you can use to protect you from, you know, the negatives of that. Yeah. I, I didn't even think about that till you brought it up, but yeah, you, you've been saving and working for decades and all of a sudden it just completely flips on you. That's got to be a shock to the system. Yeah. And so we talk about, you know, what are those transition points that are important to you, to your spouse, to your family, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. And so we really spend a lot of time trying to help them prepare for that. That's fantastic. So I, I, I guess to, to kind of summarize, you know, with, over these four podcasts, we've talked about, you know, creating the team before you even create a plan and then creating the plan and being prepared to adjust the plan, um, you know, on the fly once you once mm-hmm. you really get into the marketplace. But as a parallel path, you need to create not just a financial plan, which addresses taxes and investment and rate of return and uh, legal liability and legal entities, but you really need to focus maybe more attention to that, uh, plan that says, okay, what's, how do I use this money to maximize the re- my return on life for me, for the next generation? How do I use this money to really prepare my heirs, my beneficiaries, my favorite charities to receive the wealth in a way that it's going to enhance their lives versus hurt, harm them. And so we really spend a lot of time and effort on that to make sure that uh, the wealth will be passed and it's not going to be lost one or two generations later. Yeah, and I don't want to I don't want to derail this too too much here, Tim. I know we're running low on time, uh, but can you just give us two questions real quick? What kind of time frame are we looking at? So we would podcast one through four. There's so much information in there. If you haven't heard any of the other podcasts or the first three podcasts of this series, please go back and listen to them. They're very important. Uh, but Give us a time frame when somebody's thinking about exiting a business. When should they be contacting you? How many years in advance? Kind of give us a time frame. Um, I can tell you from personal experience for me, uh, I'm 56. I'm going to be here for a long time, but I've been working on my transition plan for five years. Oh, okay. I have found with my business owner clients, it it's at least two to three years well, you know, in advance of of uh, when you're thinking of getting out. Got it. So I would say if you want to retire at 62, you, you got to start thinking about it at 55 or even mm. before then. Okay, great. Thank you for that. And what, what are our, our last uh, thoughts for today? Um, just as a last thought is, you know, we really 
do act as trusted fiduciary advisors for all of our clients. Mm -hmm. We focus a lot, not just on the clients, but their families and protecting assets for the future generations. So if you're a business owner, you know, just like we just talked, it's never too early to start a plan and, you know, feel free to contact me, some of our, or another one of our certified team. Um, there's a lot of resources on the website you can tap into, uh, but don't hesitate to contact me if you have any questions at all. Fantastic. I'm going to go back to one other thing because I want another podcast and uh, I'm hoping that you can, can fulfill that. Um, I want to talk about charities and, and uh, philanthropy on, on an entire podcast. Can we do that? Absolutely. We have a lot of experience with that and great. a lot of great results. Awesome. I look forward to it. Thank you for listening to the Wellstream podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening to today. For everyone at the Wellstream podcast, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealthstream podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC.